Good evening. I hope you've had a wonderful day today. Welcome to BVJ's Bedtime Stories. My name is Big Voice Jay, and this is a show where we get you ready for a great night's sleep with some old familiar stories that you haven't heard in a while. Links to every story can be found in the show notes at our website, bedtimewithbvj.com. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Tonight we continue our story, A Jury of Her Peers, by Susan Glasspool. This all you was to take in? asked Mrs. Hale. No, said the sheriff's wife. She said she wanted an apron. Funny thing to want, she ventured in a nervous little way. For there's not much to get you dirty in jail, goodness knows. But I suppose just to make her feel more natural, if you're used to wearing an apron. She said they were in the bottom drawer of this cupboard. Yes, here they are. And then her little shawl that always hung on the stair door. She took the small gray shawl from behind the door leading upstairs and stood a minute looking at it. Suddenly, Mrs. Hale took a quick step toward the other woman. Mrs. Peters? Yes, Mrs. Hale? Do you think she... Did it? A frightened look blurred the other things in Mrs. Peters' eye. Oh, I don't know, she said in a voice that seemed to shrink away from the subject. Well, I don't think she did, affirmed Mrs. Hale stoutly. Asking for an apron and a little shawl? Worrying about her fruit? Mr. Peters says. Footsteps were heard in the room above. She stopped, looked up, and went on in a lowered voice. Mr. Peters says it looks bad for her. Mr. Henderson is awful sarcastic in his speech, and he's going to make fun of her saying she didn't wake up. For a moment, Mrs. Hale had no answer. Then, I guess John Wright didn't wake up when they were slipping that rope round his neck, she muttered. No, it's strange, breathed Mrs. Peters. They think that it was such a funny way to kill a man. She began to laugh. The sound of the laugh abruptly stopped. That's just what Mr. Hale said, said Mrs. Hale in a resolutely natural voice. There was a gun in the house. He says that's what he can't understand. Mr. Henderson said, coming out, that what was needed for the case was a motive, something to show anger or sudden feeling. Well, I don't see any signs of anger around here, said Mrs. Hale. I don't, she stopped. It was as if her mind tripped on something. Her eye was caught by a dish towel in the middle of the kitchen table. Slowly she moved toward the table. One half of it was wiped clean, the other half messy. Her eyes made a slow, almost unwilling turn to the bucket of sugar and the half-empty bag beside it. Things begun and not finished. After a moment, she stepped back and said in that manner of releasing herself, Wonder how they're finding things upstairs. I hope she had it a little more made up up there. You know, she paused and feeling gathered, it seems kind of sneaking, locking her up in town and locking her up in town and coming out here to get her own house to turn against her. But Mrs. Hale said the sheriff's wife, The law's the law, I suppose it is, answered Mrs. Hale shortly. She turned to the stove, saying something about that fire not being much to brag of. She worked with it a minute, and when she straightened up, she said aggressively, The law is the law, and a bad stove is a bad stove. How'd you like to cook on this? Pointing with the poker to the broken lining, she opened the oven door, and they started to express her opinion of the oven, but was swept into her own thoughts. 
thinking of what it could mean year after year to have that stove to wrestle with, the thought of Minnie Foster trying to bake in that oven, and the thought of her never going over to see Minnie Foster. She was startled by hearing Mrs. Peters say, a person gets discouraged and loses heart. The sheriff's wife had looked from the stove to the sink to the pail of water which had been carried in from the outside. The two women stood there silent, above them the footsteps of the men who were looking for evidence against the woman who had worked in that kitchen. That look of seeing into things, of seeing through a thing to something else, was in the eyes of the sheriff's wife now. When Mrs. Hale next spoke to her, it was gently. Better loosen up your things, Mrs. Peters. We'll not feel them when we go out. Mrs. Peters went to the back of the room to hang up the fur tippet she was wearing. A moment later she exclaimed, Why, she was piecing a quilt, and held up a large sewing basket piled high with quilt pieces. Mrs. Hale spread some of the blocks on the table. It's log cabin pattern, she said, putting several of them together. Pretty, isn't it? They were so engaged with the quilt that they did not hear the footsteps on the stairs. Just as the stair door opened, Mrs. Hale was saying, Do you suppose she was going to quilt it or just nod it? The sheriff threw up his hands. They wonder whether she was going to quilt it or just nod it. There was a laugh for the ways of women, a warming of hands over the stove, and then the county attorney said briskly, Well, let's go right out to the barn and get that cleared up. I don't see as there's anything so strange, Mrs. Hale said resentfully, after the outside door closed on the three men. Are taking up our time with little things while we're waiting for them to get the evidence. I don't see if it's anything to laugh about. Of course, they've got awful important things on their minds, said the sheriff's wife apologetically. They returned to an inspection of the block for the quilt. Mrs. Hale was looking at the fine, even sewing, and preoccupied with thoughts of the woman who had done that sewing, when she heard the sheriff's wife say, in an odd tone, Why, look at this one. She turned to take the block held out to her. The sewing, said Mrs. Peters in a troubled way, all the rest of them had been so nice and even. But this one, why, it looks as if she didn't know what she was about. Their eyes met. Something flashed to life, passed between them. Then, as if with an effort, they seemed to pull away from each other. A moment Mrs. Hale sat there, her hands folded over that sewing, which was so unlike all the rest of the sewing. Then she had pulled a knot and drawn the threads. Oh, what are you doing, Mrs. Hale? asked the sheriff's wife, startled. Just pulling out a stitch or two that's not so very good, said Mrs. Hale mildly. I don't think we ought to touch things, Mrs. Peters said a little helplessly. Oh, I'll just finish up this end, answered Mrs. Hale, still in that mild, matter-of-fact fashion. She threaded a needle and started to replace bad sewing with good. For a little while she sewed in silence. Then, in that thin, timid voice, she heard, Mrs. Hale, yes, Mrs. Peters, what do you suppose she was so nervous about? Oh, I don't know, said Mrs. Hale, as if dismissing a thing not important enough to spend time on. I don't know if she was nervous. I so awful odd sometimes when I'm just tired. She cut a thread, and out of the corner of her eye looked up at Mrs. Peters. The small, lean face of the sheriff's wife seemed to have tightened up. Her eyes had that look of peering into something, 
but next moment she moved and said in her thin, indecisive way, Well, I must get these clothes wrapped. They may be through sooner than we think. I wonder where I could find a piece of paper and string. In that cupboard, maybe, suggested to Mrs. Hale, after a glance around. One piece of the crazy sewing remained unripped. Mrs. Peters' back turned, Martha Hale now scrutinized that piece, compared it with the dainty, accurate sewing of the other blocks. The difference was startling. Holding this block made her feel odd, as if the distracted thoughts of the woman, who had perhaps turned to it to try and quiet herself were communicating themselves to her. Mrs. Peters' voice roused her. "'Here's a birdcage,' she said. "'Did she have a bird, Mrs. Hale?' "'I don't know whether she did or not.' She turned to look at the cage Mrs. Peters was holding up. "'I've not been here so long,' she sighed. "'There was a man around last year selling canaries cheap, "'but I don't know if she took one. "'Maybe she did. "'She used to sing real pretty herself.' Mrs. Peters looked round the kitchen. "'Seems kind of funny to think of a bird here.' She half laughed and attempted to put up a barrier. "'But she must have had one. Why would she have a cage?' I wonder what happened to it. Maybe the cat got it, suggested Mrs. Hale, resuming her sewing. No, she didn't have a cat. She's got that feeling some people have about cats, being afraid of them. When they brought her to our house yesterday, my cat got into rumors. She was real upset and asked me to take it out. My sister Bessie was like that, laughed Mrs. Hale. The sheriff's wife did not reply. The silence made Mrs. Hale turn round. Mrs. Peters was examining the birdcage. Look at this door, she said slowly. It's broke. One hinge has been pulled apart. Mrs. Hale came nearer. Looks as if someone must have been rough with it. Again their eyes met, startled, questioning, apprehensive. For a moment neither spoke nor stirred. Then Mrs. Hale, turning away, said brusquely, If they're going to find any evidence, I wish they'd be about it. I don't like this place. But I'm awful glad you came with me, Mrs. Hale. Mrs. Peters put the birdcage on the table and sat down. It would be lonesome for me, sitting here alone. Yes, it would, wouldn't it? Agreed Mrs. Hale, a certain determined naturalness in her voice. She had picked up the evening, but now it dropped in her lap, and she murmured in a different voice. But I do tell you what I do wish, Mrs. Peters. I wish I had come over sometimes when she was here. I wish I had. But of course you were awful busy, Mrs. Hale. Your house and your children. I could have come, retorted Mrs. Hale shortly. I stayed away because it weren't cheerful. That's why I ought to have come. I looked around. I've never liked this place. Maybe because it's down in a hollow and you don't see the road. I don't know what it is, but it's a lonesome place, and always was. I wish I'd come over to see Minnie Foster sometimes. I can see now. She didn't put it into words. Well, you mustn't reproach yourself, counseled Mrs. Peters. Somehow we just don't see how it is with other folks till something comes up. Not having children makes less work, used Mrs. Hale after a silence. But it makes a quiet house. And Wright out to work all day and no company when he did come in? Did you know John Wright, Mrs. Peters? Not to know him. I've seen him in town. They say he was a good man. Yes, good, conceded John Wright's neighbor grimly. He didn't drink and kept his word as well as most, I guess, and paid his debts, 
But he was a hard man, Mrs. Peters. Just to pass the time of day with him. She stopped, shivered a little. Like a raw wind that gets to the bone. Her eye fell upon the cage on the table before her, and she added almost bitterly, I would have think she would have wanted a bird. Suddenly, she leaned forward, looking intently at the cage. But what do you suppose went wrong with it? I don't know, returned Mrs. Peters, unless it got sick and died. But after she said it, she reached over and swung the broken door. Both women watched it, as if somehow held by it. You didn't know her? Mrs. Hale asked, a, a gentler note in her voice. Not till they brought her yesterday, said the sheriff's wife. She, come to think of it, she was kind of like a bird herself, real sweet and pretty, but kind of timid and fluttery. How she did change. That held her for a long time. Finally, as if struck with a happy thought and relieved to get back to everyday things, she exclaimed, Tell you what, Mrs. Peters, why don't you take the quilt in with you? It, it might take up her mind. Why, I think that's a real nice idea, Mrs. Hale, agreed the sheriff's wife, as if she too were glad to come into the atmosphere of a simple kindness. There couldn't possibly be any, any objection to that, could there? Now, uh, just what will I take? I wonder if her patches are in here, and her things. They turned to the sewing basket. Here's some red, said Mrs. Hale, bringing out a roll of cloth. Underneath that was a box. Here, maybe her scissors are in here. And her things, she held it up. What a pretty box. I warrant that was something she had a long time ago, when she was a girl. She held it in her hand a moment, then, with a little sigh, opened it. Instantly, her hand went to her nose. Why? Mrs. Peters drew nearer, then turned away. Well, there's something wrapped up in this piece of silk, faltered Mrs. Hale. This isn't her scissors, said Mrs. Peters in a shrinking voice. Her hand not steady, Mrs. Hale raised a piece of silk. Oh, Mrs. Peters, she cried. It's... Mrs. Peters bent closer. It's the bird, she whispered. But Mrs. Peters, cried Mrs. Hale. Look at its neck. Look at its neck. It's all other side, too. She held the box away from her. The sheriff's wife again bent closer. Somebody wrung its neck, said she, in a voice that was slow and deep. And then again the eyes of the two women met, this time clung together in a look of dawning comprehension, of growing horror, as his Peters looked from the dead bird to the broken door of the cage. Again their eyes met, and just then there was a sound at the outside door. Mrs. Hale slipped the box under the quilt pieces in the basket and sank into the chair before it. Mrs. Peters stood holding to the table. The county attorney and the sheriff came in from outside. Well, ladies, said the county attorney, as one turning from serious things to little pleasantries, have you decided whether she was going to quilt it or not it? We think, began the sheriff's wife in a flurried voice, that she was going to not it. He was too preoccupied to notice the change that came in her voice on that last. Well, that's very interesting, I'm sure, he said tolerantly. He got sight of the birdcage. Has the bird flown? We think the cat got it said Mrs. Hale in a voice curiously even. He was walking up and down as if thinking something out. Is there a cat? he asked absently. Mrs. Hale shot up a look at the sheriff's wife. Well, not now, said Mrs. Peters. They're superstitious, you know. They leave. She sank into her chair. The county attorney did not heed her. 
No sign at all of anyone having come in from the outside, he said to Peters, in the manner of continuing an interrupted conversation. Their own rope. Now let's go upstairs again and go over it, piece by piece. It would have to have been someone who knew just the... The stair door closed behind them and the voices were lost. The two women sat motionless, not looking at each other, but as if peering into something and at the same time holding back. When they spoke now, it was as if they were afraid of what they were saying, but as if they could not help saying it. She liked the bird, said Martha Hale, low and slowly. She was going to bury it in that pretty box. When I was a girl, said Mrs. Peters under her breath, my kitten, there was a boy took a hatchet, and before my eyes, before I could get there, she covered her face an instant. If they hadn't helped me back, I would have, she caught herself, looked upstairs where footsteps were heard and finished weakly. Hurt him. Then they sat without speaking or moving. I wonder how it would seem, Mrs. Hale at last began, as if feeling her way over strange ground, never to have had any children around. Her eyes made a slow sweep of the kitchen, as if seeing what that kitchen had been through all the years. No, Wright wouldn't like the bird, she said after that, a thing that sang. She used to sing. He killed that too, her voice tightened. Mrs. Peters moved uneasily. Of course, we don't know who killed the bird. I knew John Wright was Mrs. Hale's answer. It was an awful thing that was done in this house last night, Mrs. Hale, said the sheriff's wife. Killing a man while he slept, slipping a thing around his neck that choked the life out of him. Mrs. Hale's hand went out to the birdcage. We don't know who killed him, whispered Mrs. Peters wildly. We don't know. Mrs. Hale had not moved. If there had been years and years of nothing, then a bird to sing to you, it'd be awful still. After the bird was still. It was as if something within her, not herself, had spoken, and it found in Mrs. Peters something she did not know as herself. I know what stillness is, she said in a monotonous voice. When we homesteaded in Dakota, and my first baby died after he was two years old, and me was no other than Mrs. Hale stared. How soon you suppose they'll be through looking for the evidence? I know what stillness is, repeated Mrs. Peters in just that same way. Then she too pulled back. The law's got to punish crime, Mrs. Hale, she said in her tight little way. I wish you'd seen Minnie Foster, was the answer, when she wore a white dress with blue ribbons and stood up there in a choir and sang. The picture of that girl, the fact that she had lived neighbor to that girl for twenty years and let her die for lack of life was suddenly more than she could bear. Oh, I wish I'd come over here once in a while, she cried. That was a crime. Who's going to punish that? We mustn't take on, said Mrs. Peters, with a frightened look down the stairs. I might have known she needed help. I tell you, it's odd, Mrs. Peters. We live close together and we live far apart. We all go through the same things. It's all just a different kind. If it weren't, why do you and I understand? Why do we know? What we know this minute. She dashed her hand across her eyes. Then, seeing the jar of fruit on the table, she reached for it and choked out. If I was you, I wouldn't tell her the fruit was gone. Tell her it ain't. Tell her it's all right, all of it. Here, take this to prove it to her. 
She may never know whether it was broke or not. She turned away. Mrs. Peters reached out for the bottle of fruit, as if she were glad to take it, as if touching a familiar thing, having something to do, could keep her from something else. She got up, looked about for something to wrap the fruit in, took a petticoat from the pile of clothes she had brought from the front room, and nervously started winding that round the bottle. My, she began in a high, false voice, it's a good thing the men couldn't hear us, getting all stirred up over a little thing like a, a dead canary, she hurried over that. As if that could have anything to do with, my, wouldn't they laugh? Footsteps were heard on the stairs. Maybe they would, muttered Mrs. Hale. Maybe they wouldn't. No, Peters, said the county attorney incisively. It's all perfectly clear, except the reason for doing it. But you know juries when it comes to women. If there was some definite thing, something to show, something to make a story about, a thing that would connect up with this clumsy way of doing it. In a covert way, Mrs. Hale looked at Mrs. Peters. Mrs. Peters was looking at her. Quickly, they looked away from each other. The outer door opened and Mr. Hale came in. I've got the team round now, he said. Pretty cold out there. I'm going to stay here a while by myself, the county attorney suddenly announced. You can send Frank out for me, can't you? He asked the sheriff. I want to go over everything. I'm not satisfied we can't do better. Again, for one brief moment, the two women's eyes found one another. The sheriff came up to the table. Did you want to see what Mrs. Peters was going to take in? The county attorney picked up the apron. He laughed. Oh, I guess they're not very dangerous things the ladies have picked out. Mrs. Hale's hand was on the sewing basket in which the box was concealed. She felt that she ought to take her hand off the basket. She did not seem able to. He picked up one of the quilt blocks which she had piled on to cover the box. Her eyes felt like fire. She had a feeling that if he took up the basket, he would snatch it from him. But he did not take it up. With another little laugh, he turned away, saying, No, Mrs. Peters doesn't need supervising. For that matter, a sheriff's wife is married to the law. Ever think of it that way, Mrs. Peters? Mrs. Peters was standing beside the table. Mrs. Hale shot a look up at her, but she could not see her face. Mrs. Peters had turned away. When she spoke, her voice was muffled. Not just that way, she said. Married to the law, chuckled Mrs. Peters' husband. He moved toward the door into the front room and said to the county attorney, I just want you to come in here a minute, George. We ought to take a look at these windows. Oh, windows, said the county attorney scoffingly. We'll be right out, Mr. Hale, said the sheriff to the farmer, who was still waiting by the door. Hale went to look after the horses. The sheriff followed the county attorney into the other room. Again, for one final moment, the two women were alone in that kitchen. Martha Hale sprang up, her hands tight together, looking at that other woman with whom it rested. At first she could not see her eyes, for the sheriff's wife had not turned back since she turned away at that suggestion of being married to the law. But now Mrs. Hale made her turn back. Her eyes made her turn back. Slowly, unwillingly, Mrs. Peters turned her head until her eyes met the eyes of the other woman. There was a moment when they held each other in a steady, burning look in which there was no evasion or flinching. Then Martha Hale's eyes pointed the way to the basket, in which was hidden the thing that would make certain the conviction of the other woman. That woman that was not there, and yet who had been there with them all through that hour. 
For a moment, Mrs. Peters did not move. And then she did it. With a rush forward, she threw back the quilt pieces, got the box, tried to put it in her handbag. It was too big. Desperately, she opened it, started to take the bird out, but there she broke. She could not touch the bird. She stood there helpless, foolish. There was the sound of a knob turning on the inner door. Martha Hale snatched the box from the sheriff's wife and got it in the pocket of her big coat, just as the sheriff and the county attorney came back into the kitchen. Well, Henry, said the county attorney facetiously, at least we found out that she was not going to quilt it. She was going to, uh, what is it you call it, ladies? Mrs. Hale's hand was against the pocket of her coat. We call it knotted, Mr. Henderson. I do believe these ladies think that woman did it. And quietly, I think you know that she did it too. Some days you need a bit of an escape. Boy, we took a long way around for this story, didn't we? If you find yourself in a crazy relationship, get out of there. Find someone new on Match.com. And a BBJ and a promo code, and it will do absolutely nothing because this is not a sponsored read. I would, however, like to remind you that I am always looking for new stories to read. You can email me, bigvoicej at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. iTunes likes reviews and helps to, and helps to spread the word about this little show. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>